the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, February 1, 2024. I am Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Young David, good to see you, sir. We also have Miss Terry and Mr. Bill. Rest of you, again, 602-508-0960. On any given day, if you open your newspaper, you will receive op-ed after op-ed. All before you get to the op-ed page. Worth recalling, op-ed does not stand for opinion editorial. It stands for opposite editorial, opposite the editorial page, which is to say opinion pieces opposite on the other page of opposed to the editorial page. That's what op-eds used to be. What you get today, however, is what the literary critic Harold Rosenberg once called a herd of independent minds. The New York Times this week had a major piece on Joe Biden's failures in stopping illegal immigration. Here were the first two sentences of the news story. Quote, on President Biden's first day in office, he paused nearly all deportations. He vowed to end the harsh practices of the Trump administration. Close quote. How'd the word harsh get in there? The reporters clearly wanted to push the anti-Trump talisman into the consciousness, just as they did the same by putting a picture of a CBP agent with loose horse reins trying to chase down a Haitian immigrant in the story, summoning up the memory that CPB agents were whipping Haitians. Am I the only one who recalls our aversion a generation and two ago to what was considered subliminal messaging? Anyone remember those debates and fights? You'll recall that story about the Haitian immigrants circulating everywhere and drawing rebuke for the CPB practice of whipping immigrants by everyone from Kamala Harris to Nancy Nancy Pelosi to Maxine Waters, only to be proven later that nobody was whipped and the CBP never had whips. A picture had captured loose horse reins. But the New York Times, knowing the correction never reverses the the original story, revivified the untrue allegation by semaphore here. Never let a scandal, indeed one that never happened, go to waste. Remember Maxine Waters at the time said what she saw in that story was, quote-unquote, worse than slavery. Remember, the story was debunked. It was the Jussie Smollett of immigration stories, about which, in the Smollett hoax, Kamala Harris said it was, quote, a modern-day lynching. Close quote. The stampede of indignation about these kinds of stories, and one may include that the IDF bombed a hospital in Gaza, killing 300 people among them, it's perfectly emblematic what you get from a herd. There is an interesting phenomenon where we are fo- forced into outrages over the untrue. Anyone remember children in cages? So long as it serves a certain point that feeds the herd the food it wants. 
and we are outraged over the frivolous while we tolerate or even ignore the real and the serious. How did C.S. Lewis put it? The use of fashions in thought is to distract men from their real dangers, the things from which we face the least danger. The equivalent, he said, of running for the water hoses when there's a flood. See a story about Prager U materials in Arizona classrooms in the Arizona Republic story today. Arizona Republic newspaper today. Prager U materials trigger because they challenge conventional ideology. Note, I didn't say they challenge conventional wisdom. They challenge conventional ideology as handed down by the liberal left curricula of the education establishment. So the Arizona Republic quotes the education expert Raul Grijalva saying this, quote, Just as congressional Republicans want to ban books and eliminate diverse points of view, Prager U's intent is to indoctrinate our children with disinformation, mistruths, and whitewash history, close quote. Think on that for just a moment. Banning books and preventing different points of view is bad, per Grijalva, so what he wants to do is prevent differing points of view and justify doing so by labeling them disinformation, mistruth, and whitewashing. Be prepared to see a bevy of articles and op-eds, or I should say op-eds and op-eds, over the next several days decrying PragerU materials as racist, homophobic, uncredentialed, and the like all named after a man who is considered to be a white nationalist by professors at ASU's Barrett Honors College. Meanwhile, the real threats pass us by. Yesterday, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified to Congress the following, quote, The Chinese Communist Party's dangerous actions, China's multi-pronged assault on our national and economic security, make it the defining threat of our generation. When I described the CCP as a threat to America's safety a moment ago, I meant that, in some ways, quite literally. There's been far too little public focus on the fact that the PRC, hackers, are targeting our critical infrastructure, our water treatment plants, our electrical grid, our oil and natural gas pipelines, our transportation systems, and the risk that poses to every American requires our attention now. He continues, China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities. If or when China decides the time has come to strike, they're not focused solely on political or military targets. We can see from where they position themselves across civilian infrastructure that low blows aren't just a possibility in the event of a conflict. Low blows against civilians are part of China's plan. Close quote. Oh, he had more. For example, the PRC cyber threat is made vastly more dangerous by the way they knit cyber into a whole-of-government campaign against us. They recruit human sources to target our businesses, using insiders to steal the same kinds of innovation and data their hackers are targeting, while also engaging in corporate deception, hiding Beijing's hand in transactions, joint ventures, and investments to do the same. And they don't just hit our security and economy. They target our freedoms, reaching inside our borders across America to silence, coerce, and threaten our citizens and residents, close quote. Meanwhile, yesterday the Senate Judiciary Committee held hearings on big tech and online sexual predation. One of the witnesses was Xiao Chou of TikTok. 
TikTok is the preferred search engine for more than half of Generation Z. That would be starting at age 11. In China, the version of TikTok operates under a different name and its use is limited to 40 minutes a day. Its fare is science and math. In America, there is no limit and its fare, as Congressman Mike Gallagher, the chair of House Select Committee on China, puts it, is exquisitely tuned to prioritize polarizing, outrage, and addictive, brain-numbing nonsense at best and dangerous propaganda at worst. Put differently, ByteDance, the owner of TikTok and its Chinese counterpart, and the CCP have decided that China's children get spinach and America's children get digital fentanyl. In other words, a country like China takes a lot of things more seriously than we do, including the belief in their own system and cause, while we are full of self-doubt, self-abnegation, and self-critique. We even blame ourselves for being attacked militarily, with some of that blame coming from within the so-called conservative movement here. China takes their children and their children's brains seriously. We hand our children guns to play Russian roulette. And if we try to correct any of it with the fare of something like PragerU, that is what gets condemned. William Butler Yeats put it that things fall apart when the best lack all conviction and the worst are full of passionate intensity. Writing of ancient Rome, the historian Will Durant quotes another historian, a French historian, to instruct us that the two greatest problems in history— are how to account for the rise of Rome and how to account for its fall. Durant himself goes on to write, quote, A great civilization is not conquered from without until it has destroyed itself from within. I suggest it is long past time to take serious things seriously and to care about our cause and our children's brains and do so at least as much as those who are poised against us. My concern is, As Leo Strauss put it some years ago, like the fable of Nero, we are fiddling while we are burning, save for two things. We do not know we are fiddling, and we do not realize we are burning. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Joseph is in Peoria. Hello, Joseph. Hey, Seth. A great monologue, sir. you got to publish this one as well. <laughs> You're kind. Thank you. Um, I, I go back to you. When I, you had the Seth and Chris show, was that 2014 or 15? I think I started listening to you. Yeah, somewhere in there. Ago. Yeah. Anyway, great, great format. And uh, my parents took out a second mortgage to send me to a college preparatory high school. And that was the value they played on, placed on education. And so absolutely, sir. Uh, I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm 63 years old. I, I see the way my nephews and nieces are. And, you know, they're not as bad as I think they are. But, you know, they definitely could step it up a little bit. So <laughs> I, I'm just I'm hoping things get better. Were we like know. that? When we were their age? Were I, we I, like that when we were their age? Or is there know, something different worse, going on? But, <laughs> huh? Truth be told. What? I think I was worse. Yeah, but maybe. Behaviorally, part, maybe. Yeah, well, that's yeah, the question. Yes, sir. Yeah, behaviorally, maybe. I was too, probably. Um, 
behaviorally we may have been worse, but I don't think we were intellectually as lost because I don't think our parents were as intellectually as lost. And we had black and white TV, no iPad or anything, so the influence wasn't there either. We didn't only have black and white TV. We had black and white morality. Thank you. No, I think I think I'm right about that. And um and that seems to have been confused. I mean, I'm always hesitant. I'm not hesitant. I'm always feeling like I'm only getting halfway to where we need to be going when we talk about Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or social media and our children's heads because we have a lot of adults who are addicted to this stuff too and we have a big adult mental health crisis too. Um, yeah. we, we, we have failed we have failed, I think, a generation that has infected beyond just Z, but I think also some generations below it, X and Y, and maybe even mm-hmm. a few boomers. Oh yeah. Um, again, it's generational. It goes to the morals of the family and my both grandparents came from Czechoslovakia and Poland, immigrated here, I'm second generation. And it was all about learning the language and being right and, and, and learning. I'm curious and as was, to what year it. they came. Uh, my dad was born in 32, but his older brother was born in Czechoslovakia prior to that. Um, I, I don't know when they came over here. I don't have all that knowledge. But A- After the um, World War II or before? No, no, they came, my, my, no, they left before. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, probably in the 20s sometime. Oh, oh I'm with you. They okay. saw it coming. Okay. They saw it coming. Yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, there's another element to this, too, and it's something that might be harder than what those hearings exposed in Congress yesterday. It's a delicate issue, but the hearings in Congress with Zuckerberg and TikTok and the rest, you know, they're all <clears throat> in the prospect of passing some kind of legislation or thinking about passing some kind of legislation. And I'm 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 for it, I suppose. But the harder thing that's the easier thing. The harder thing to do is what others have been saying, which I'm on board with, which is, you know, those thirteen and fourteen and fifteen year olds wouldn't be subject to this stuff as readily as they are as uh, intensely as they are if their parents didn't allow them to be. This this is a parenting issue as much as it is a legal and corporate issue. Oh, I could talk to you for a long time about electronics and children and and access to what they have. It's just a shame. There's no filter. There's no filter. Um, I would, uh, if I were on the school board, I would propose banning these, any of it in our schools. I would ban all phones in schools except for after school or whatever if you need to talk to a parent or something like that. But I would never allow them in the classrooms. I wouldn't allow them at all. I just wouldn't allow them. I wouldn't allow them in between classes. Um, it's, it's beyond the emotional, by the way, beyond the emotional effects you and I grew up, you mentioned you know, black and white TV. Yeah. I remember we were learning what TV was doing to our brains and our attention spans. Do you remember those conversations? I do. My dad called it the idiot box. Well, of course, but 
But but the point that you know we would you know have eleven minutes and then a commercial and then eleven minutes and right. then we could have you know uh, the flipping of the channels that turned right. into a remote control where you could more speedily and more quickly flip a channel to yeah. the world yeah. that cable oh. news brought on, which gave us two hundred channels. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, it go. did something to the attention span. Never mind the emotional and psychological issues that that yeah no I mean it has taken it is. It's the difference, probably, the difference of social media in the children's hands and television like we grew up with is probably something along the lines of um, marijuana in those days when we grew up as opposed to the high THC supercharged marijuana that exists now, which is an entirely different drug. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're saying it just like it is. It's perfect stuff. It's yes. It's an entirely different thing. Um, And. We're very slow to catch up to it. But it is intriguing to me that serious countries, and they are deadly serious, like China, they don't put up with it with their kids. Yeah, you're right. They don't allow it. They don't allow it to happen. Back to the home. Yeah, well, yes, and a seriousness of purpose and a seriousness of – I mean, why – why is China's math, why are China's math scores or you could do this almost with any Asian country why are Asian math and science scores so much better than ours every single year we, we that we look at the project of international they do their assessment homework. yeah they do their homework they also believe in teaching science and math and we yeah. teach how we feel about science and math mm. they take it seriously and we may not be a serious country anymore we're only a no, serious country out. after a crisis. And it's too late. I mean, look at Kathy Hochul. Hochul, young David, is that how she says it? The governor of New York? Look at Ka- – I'm going to uh, – thank you, Joseph. Uh, Kathy Hochul. It's, I think it's Hochul, yeah. Yeah. Kathy Hochul today, after these illegal immigrants were found beating up on police cops – on police officers in New York, she's now saying we need to deport them. Now she says it. Now she says it. It's after the knife is at our throat we become serious and after it draws its first blood. Then we become a serious country. We were a supremely serious country on September 12, 2001. Supremely serious. We don't need to be in that mode all the time. We don't need to be in that. Of course not. Of course not. That was not the purpose I'm trying to drive us towards. But we need to be at least half as serious as those who are kicking our you-know-whats and half as serious as they are when it comes to things we used to think important here and we used to be serious about, education and the emotional and psychological well-being of our children and, frankly, our adults. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Let me put in a uh, mention for this great event we're going to be doing on March 26th, Fighting for Freedom. We're bringing in Mike Gallagher. Uh, I'll be on stage with Mike, as will Brandon Tatum. It'll be a great event with you all talking about politics, policy, the elections. Uh, it's going to be at Arizona Christian University, March 26th. You can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com. These events are always great. We're going to have a lot of interaction with you in the audience 960thepatriot.com. If you want to enter to win a free pair of tickets, you can email young David, my producer, David Dahl. His email is ddahl at salemphx.com. Easiest thing in the world to remember. 
ddoll at salemphx.com. It's the only thing you can email them about. Just put FFF or Fighting for Freedom in the, uh, in the subject line or something like that. Yes, please don't sell my email to Nigerian scammers or yeah. anything like that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when the, deposed, when, the, when the son of the deposed king of Nigeria asks for help, you help. Yes, because, but only because I'm expecting my millions in diamonds. Yes, in diamonds. Exactly right. Let's go to uh, Steve in Tempe. Hi, Steve. Seth, how you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. I listened to that testimony yesterday, and I was disappointed that the that Blackburn and uh, Corey Holly uh, didn't go the other direction too with Zuckerberg saying that you know not only does your website or do your websites have what we consider to be pornographic material on them you also have the tendency to omit very important things like you did in the last election yep. when when Hunter Biden's left you know what I'm saying I actually mean, I do it, and it, and and this is something Hugh Hallman and I have been threatening to talk about um, at length, and we keep putting it off. He's going to be in a little later if he wants to preface any of it. Um, but yeah. um, there was a huge report that meant, went mostly ignored that came out in November. Oh, look who walked in. It's <laughs> it, it came out from the uh, – it was titled this. You should look it up if you want, Steve. The Weaponization of Disinformation, Pseudo-Experts and Bureaucrats. Bureaucrats, how the federal government partnered with universities to censor America's political speech put out by the Committee on the Judiciary. It's a hell of a report, and it's about, oh gosh, how many pages is this, Hugh? 100? 163 pages of evidence that uh, will blow your mind and substantiate everything you just said. Yeah, well, I'd like to I'd like to read that. Thank you for you bet. bringing that to my attention. I yep. definitely will. Um I think I think an absolute uh, knockout punch would have been if if um, if uh, Representative Hawley or uh, Marsha Blackburn had said to Zuckerberg, uh, "Look, we know you're capable of not uh, of taking things down from your site that you apparently don't agree with." Exactly, you did it exactly, exactly. Yeah, when there is an incentive. or interest in taking something down, you yes. you know what well know how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And he does and you know, I I I I did I was touched though by the fact that Zuckerberg did I mean if you want to believe that it's that it was insincere, um uh, I have to have to Give give him some credit for standing up and it was it was yeah I I, I'll give him a few points for it I'll give him a few points yeah yeah I will I you you wouldn't normally see that it was a real you know it's the kind of thing that I it probably was on the front pages of newspapers today it probably was I read them online so but it probably was it's the kind of thing that normally would be yeah I bet it was and and Seth real real quick can I uh, ask add something re- related to um, the Iran situation, what's going on there. With, uh, you most with certainly the- can. And if I have to hold you over, I might need to do that because that is an important story. In fact, let me do that. Would you be just, just be patient and hold over with me? Yeah, to, thank to the, you. To the next it. segment. Yeah. Um, yeah, Iran. Um, I, I was watching Joe Biden. Have you noticed 
the only times he takes questions, the only times are outside the White House with the helicopter in the background humming. This is not necessary. Well, he hasn't had a press conference in how long? He hasn't had a cabinet meeting in how long? October. Yeah. That's why I didn't think that he needed a secretary of defense who was absent for three days in the middle of the world breaking out into war. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Listen to that baseline, huh? Friends, the folks at Midas Gold Group have told me the U.S. government and the Fed will have no choice but to eventually steer interest rates lower. Because if they don't, the current level of interest rates will bankrupt the nation. There's no telling when the dam will break. But when it does, Midas wants to make sure you have flood insurance, in this case, gold. Call Midas Gold Group now. Look into the opportunities gold can provide you as a way to diversify your investments. Call 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. Midas Gold Group is the nation's number one veteran-owned gold IRA firm. Protect your assets. Call 480-360-3000. It's 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group, always faithful. MidasGoldGroup.com. Steve, thanks for your patience. You wanted to bring up Iran. Yeah, thanks, Seth, for the extra time. Uh, Monday, uh, I listened to Brennan Weicker talking about Iran related to what was going on, and I thought his assessment of of uh, Iran and and, uh, the Biden administration's reluctance to do anything significant to uh, deter Iran from doing what they're doing right now was, was right on. You know, he mentioned if you if you remember when he was talking, he mentioned the uh, the tentacles that Iran yep, had right. with all of these yeah these uh, terrorist organizations yep. outside of Iran that are yep. basically doing uh, Iran's bidding for them. Right, and uh, he he was right on. I mean, I look at it like a, like an organism, like a hydra. Yeah, you know, you've got all these tentacles, you know, this body and the tentacles coming out. You cut the tentacles off, you've got a body that's sitting there. And what he's talking about doing was right on, too. He said, you cut these tentacles off, you cut these terrorist tentacles off, and you put, you've got Iran in a box, just like President Trump had them yeah. previously, where they were not allowed to export oil and sell. And um, I've got two theories as to, I mean, I think his, uh, Brennan Weckert's uh, assessment of, of Iran too, as it relates to this is this is just a continuation of the Obama administration's use of Iran to as a balancing act against Israel in the Middle East, no question about it. But there's another reason why they are very reluctant to come down hard on Iran and probably won't uh, between now and the election. If, you know, one of the things that's interesting right now is I just noticed recently that oil prices. I mean, we're starting to get regular gas now for under three dollars a gallon and it's coming down and there's no reason at all that that should be happening with the supply being reduced significantly you know with us not being not not uh, drilling for oil and drilling for our own i think we're getting a lot of our oil from iran right now and 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 and, and disrupting that flow and causing that to be cut off if we come down hard on Iran now is going to ca- cause oil prices to go up. And the last thing that Biden wants to have happen during an election year is to have uh, gas prices get to the, to the into the five, six dollar um, a gallon range, which is where it was headed. And uh, so that's 
I, I just think that that's a significant factor as to why they are not they're not touching Iran the way that they they should be um, significantly impacted by what they just oh, we did. Should, we shouldn't be receiving. I mean, I don't think we're receiving Iranian oil directly. I mean, we do receive a lot of products made with the with Iranian petroleum, but 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 I think it's what's a big part what, of the supply though? Huh? It's a big part of the supply. Oh, I I, I understand, but 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 okay. That's a whole other discussion, but I, I I think it has something much more to do with the fact that there's there's three things going on, three or four things going on here, and you read this between the lines and the interstices of these stories about almost any policy that's gone that's gone cattywampus under the Biden administration, whether it's immigration or or what have you. The first rule of thumb is whatever the previous administration did, we're going to do the opposite, the exact diametrical opposite. Whatever they did, we're doing the other thing, uh, whether it works or not. That's that's issue number one. Issue number two, there's this weird thing that has been part and parcel of Democratic Party's thinking and its leadership for going on about 25 years now, which is they think a key to Middle East peace runs through for a while it was Syria and the Assad regime but then it started to shift really because Syria is a tentacle one of those tentacles you mentioned of Iran's then it became an Iran thing and while you wouldn't have obviously someone like Nancy Pelosi visiting uh the mullahs um she did go for example during the Bush administration <clears throat> to visit with Assad in Syria um, but that has now, as I say, shifted to this notion that, you know, you can pacify uh, the Middle East by welcoming into that community of nations Iran, which had been isolated. The truth of the matter is it isolated itself. It isolated itself. The Iranian revolution of 1979 could have gone any number of ways. First of all, it didn't have to happen. Second of all, we could have done a lot more to prevent it from happening and protecting the Shah. Third, if it was going to happen, it could have been something where the Ayatollah Khomeini, at the time the leader of the revolution, could have made a decision that he was not going to make the entire Sunni Arab world his enemy. He could have done that. He could have. But this is not an actor who believes rationally in that kind of foreign policy outlook. It's a very selfish, self-anointing foreign policy of the Shia movement and the, you know, the, 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 the millenarian concepts that the malocracy of Iran believes in, the final imam and all that sort of stuff. So the idea that you see in the Democrat Party that thinks we can pacify Iran with money or negotiations, and that that will solve our problems with them, is really not that different than what you saw in the nuclear freeze movement in the Democratic Party that was touted by people like Ted Kennedy, or touted by people like John Kerry, and flirted with by people like, at the time, to a lesser extent, but still generally there, Joe Biden. It's, it's, it's not that different 
from the way that the Democratic Party and the liberal mind, the liberal now left mind, views dealing with dictators who hate America. It's, in other words, Neville Chamberlain thinking that for some reason has eluded them. But I think I know what some of that reason is, and it goes back to the first point. The first point being whatever the Republicans are for, our policy will be against it. Unfortunately, it also ends up being more than partisan. It ends up being almost by definition anti-American. It's ending up almost like what Jack Kemp said about those guys during the nuclear freeze movement. It's not that they're soft on communism. It's that they're soft on democracy. Portions of the show are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi has a uh, great investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, peace of mind, and that there's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you get your monthly statement, of course, with no surprises. And best part, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the federal Reserve. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. Young David, do you have a pin on today? Are you sans pin? Oh, gee, I think I probably forgot to put one on. You forgot to put one on. How was dancing last night? Tiring. What did they teach you last night? The cha-cha-cha? What did they teach me? It's not like, it's always... East Coast swing dancing. Oh, it's um, always swing dancing? Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, they, they taught us uh, some moves last night that uh, I wouldn't even know where to begin to describe them. Is yeah. it a good workout? I'm told dancing can be Yeah, good. I mean, that's why I'm yeah. tired. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, well, step it up. We've got two more hours to go. Step it up. Yeah, and yeah. by we, I don't mean me. Yeah, by we, you don't mean No, me. I, um, I am uh, delighted to... Um, to be uh, emceeing an event tonight for the great Arizona Women of Action. Uh, as I mentioned uh, the other day, uh, they are, um, they're doing one of their annual summits or regular summits. They're bringing in Chloe Cole, just a wonderful testimony. Um, you may remember of hers powerful, poignant testimony, uh, deeply moving. Uh, this uh, young girl who transitioned and is now trying to retransition back. Um, so I will be with them, but you will be in the much more capable hands of what is sometimes referred to around here as the Hallman Autonomous Zone, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hugh Hallman, just back from uh, uh, from, Kazakhstan, from Kazakhstan, and Lewis Hallman, um, just back from being here Tuesday, are going to uh, host you uh, for the rest of the uh, the rest of the show for the next two hours. You can feel free to give them a call as well, 602-508-0960. So as I say, you're in capable hands, right, Hugh? Absolutely, if one considers these hands capable. They are capable. Right, Lewis? One right. can only hope. One can only oh, Keep hope alive. Keep the show alive. And we do hope folks will call in because we're going to go very controversially and blast your monologue just so everybody's ready to go. <laughs> Maybe I'll call in. <laughs> we'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.